Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email. My guest today, uh, I'd have to say legendary figure in email, Andrew Kordick, now of iPost, formerly of any number of other companies related to yeah. email. Andrew, nice to talk to you again. Mr. Dunn, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I don't know if I am called legendary status. I'm a student of this craft. I learn new stuff every day. New stuff. Uh, but thank you for that long introduction. Well, actually, one of your one of your LinkedIn um, fan base <laughs> called you called you a force of nature. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, first, oriented people. Um, I post. I mean, I know I post a bit. You know, I post a lot. But some of the folks mm -hmm. listening or watching may not be familiar with I post. Yeah. So uh, I joined I post in August of 2020. I actually sold um, and you know, wanted to retire from this industry uh, back in 2020 uh, when I was with Trendline. But um, Cameron Kane approached me. I had met Cameron, the CEO, years prior. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, and so they gave me a demo. Um, and, you know, I've seen all of the different ESPs out there. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of them. And I was amazingly impressed for somebody that I didn't know too much about, right? And so, um, you know, one of the reasons I came here was about the platform in itself, right? Relational, relational data, the ability to do just about any one of the tier ones and what they do, all the well-known ESPs out there. And we've now, we've now sort of put our niche in, right? Um, we feel as if we can really own the market around associations and franchise and casinos and publishing things of that nature because of the way we do sub-clients. Um, I always say is we can do everything a lot of the big boys and girls can do. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that we don't, nobody knows a lot about us, but once they see it, once they see the power of the platform, um, I, I in fact, showed my colleague, an old colleague of mine, and like he did a little, just play around with it. So wow, this is pretty powerful stuff. So um, I post is ESP, right? Like 400 other ESPs um, <laughs> out there. And we do, I think we do a fantastic job, just like a lot of the ESPs do fantastic jobs. I think the difference is experience and just the niche that we play in. Well, and, and, and I'm going to tag onto the comment inside baseball, uh, our company campaign genius works with, uh, has a good fortune to work with, uh, uh, I post. So I, I know the platform may be better than a lot of people do. Um, yeah. much more current in terms of architecture and, and thinking. And that, that to me is a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. wicked fast. That's a big deal as well. <laughs> like seriously. It's surprising. Right. And that's why I always say, you know what, and this is our, this is sort of our new mantra. We don't want 3000 customers. We don't want 23,000 customers. We're looking for about 350, We've got about 160 right now. Okay. Um, that can really utilize um, the platform, you know, in and itself. And I think that's what makes a difference because once you sort of reach that 300, there's a souffle, right. That happens, mm. right. Mm. Um, we have an account manager for everybody. We have the ability to have quick turns, um, from a support based issue. I think the issue too is, is that everybody that works here has got at least 10 years of experience in digital and or email marketing. Wow. So we're not dealing with somebody that's never pushed buttons or worked client side. We're done. We get, it. we understand it. Um, and it's a two-way street. We only you know we look at it. The people come to us and assess our system. Yeah. Um, 
we want to assess them too. We, we have a requirement for certain types of customers well, that they come to us just like they have requirements for us. And so it has to be the true partnership. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, the term partnership is like love. Everyone uses it, but we really want to be partners with somebody and really work with their, their program. I think that's one of the big reasons why I came here. Um, and I told these guys, I'm like, this is my last year, right? Like, you know, this, this is it, right? I, I, I love email and I, I, I love what these guys do. Uh, and I'm honored, I'm honored to, to represent. Wow. Nice. I, I, I'm, I'm curious because. The, the journey for you, I mean, it included uh, founding one of the bigger agencies in email marketing, Trendline, and, and, and to jump from Trendline when you left there, I think you used the word retired. I'm not sure you're loud, but you jumped from Trendline <laughs> after X span of months to vendor side, to the evil vendor side. Uh, yeah. It, how, has that been different than you expected? Better, worse? Like, oh, it much different. Yeah. I've learned stuff from the vendor side. Yeah. And I took for granted on the agency and even on the client side, right? So remember, I used to help run email at Sears, Kmart, Groupon, Questsoft. So I've been agents, I've been agency side and running Trendline client side at those companies. And I took for granted a lot what some of these vendors do, right? Mm. Like, how hard could it be to partition a new IT, right? Uh, that type of stuff. And all the backend stuff that goes along with running a really well-run email service provider. So there's been a pretty good learning curve. Am I an expert at it? No, no, not at all. But at least I have the ability now to explain it to a client to say, it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is, right? I mean, you know it, right? I mean, email's not easy. It, it, it takes practice and, you know, whatever. But yeah, huge, huge learning curve. Huge learning curve. What and I, one of the things that I've learned is I've started to learn the email space uh, for the second or third time, I don't know. Uh, there are, as you said, a, a lot of a lot of companies. There there are hundreds of companies who say they're an ESP or an email platform of some sort, and then mm -hmm. probably tens of thousands that also send email on top of that. Um, and and one, it's not easy to do. Two, it's not easy to get noticed in in a space that's that. Crowded. It's one of the challenges for. Let's be fair. A a a smaller, a newer vendor it doesn't matter if it's the yep. best thing since sliced cheese. It's right. actually hard to get above the noise in a space that's been around for twenty years and still has hundreds of participants in the ring. Right. Absolutely. And I think you need. I always looked at, and I used to say, I used to say this, even when I was agency and client side. Every ESP sucks. They do. They suck <laughs> at many different things, right? You just need to find out which one sucks the least for your yeah. business. Yeah. Can you grow with them? Are there things, you know, that that they do that maybe some other people don't do as easily, right? I mean, let's be honest. Everybody in the world, every ESP, the center of email is going to say the great buzzwords, right? We're cutting edge or we're fast or we've got AI or whatever. Nobody can exist without that today, right? With all the buzzwords that everybody puts in. But when rubber hits the road, mm -hmm. right? When you've got people standing across from you, whether on a Zoom or whatever, and they understand the business, that to me is a differentiator, right? Um, if you're one of 3,000 other people that are trying to get help with deliverability, so to speak, 
That's the differentiator. And that's where I think smaller ESPs with really advanced capabilities can really succeed because they can be the ankle biters and still do extremely, extremely well. And I make new, I make no bones about it, right? Like, you know, every ESP still does suck. I mean, they do even there's certain parts of post that's not, that, that sucks. The thing is, is that we're not for everybody and not everybody is for us. You just need to kind of figure out how well can I push this system and do I have the right people lined? Right. Right. Well, it's, it, it, you have, you have learned a lot. <laughs> right. I thought there was nothing left to learn, right? Uh, there's so much left to learn. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And, and it's not like it's a static field, even though nominally it's, you know, it's email hasn't changed. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah. 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 Oh, I yeah. totally disagree that emails stated. Yeah. There's tons of stuff to, that's happening. Well, that e- e- even if there weren't, we agree mm-hmm. that things are changing. Yeah. That the people reading the message in the other end of that are, are, are living through a, uh, an astonishing and a wrenching period of change and how they're going to, you know, interact, perceive, et cetera. Like that's mm-hmm. going to alter what, what worked last year, two years ago, 10 years ago, it's still going to be read the same way anymore. I always ask, I always tell everybody that, you know, email what it was five, 10 years ago serves the purpose. The question is, is has anyone talks about scaling or changing their business or their messaging or their site or how they interact with customers. The real question is what's, what's the innovation that's happening on the email side, not just innovation outside of third-party platforms. But what's the innovation that's happening inside? How are you changing for those um, for those times? Are you still doing the same thing you were doing two years ago? Um, and is, if it's still working, great. But guess what? It's still working, but that doesn't mean that you can't improve upon. Um, and and so I always say, don't get stuck in the ways of what you've always done. Always be pushing to learn new things, whether you're trying stuff for the first time where you're changing the way the email program or if the email gets out the door, I call it eliminating the distractions, right? right? And focusing on the core. Um, and that's a hard thing to do because in large scale organizations and even the most nimble ones, um, they're like, well, gosh, I've always been told I need to do X, right? Or this or that. And it's not about the establishment that we've all had this discussion for years in this industry about best practices. It's not the establishment and, following of best practices it's the establishment of best practices for you guys right and um it's it 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 ultimately boils down to how do you meaning you the organization want to do your email program that's what it boils down to how do you want to do your email program not like your competitors yeah what do you want to do yeah i i'm I'm curious so we're going to go off topic of course yeah (laughs) Um, I noted, uh, about three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, and I was really surprised to see that, uh, a, a large enterprise, uh, ESP email ser- service provider mm-hmm. had bought a newsletter company. And I was like, that's fascinating. Why did they do that? I mean, I've got my conjectures about why, but it was fascinating to me. That that happened. Any reactions? It's all about customers and data, right? What do they have? They must have something on them from a data perspective, right? 
um, in order to target new services and, and products. It's a pro it's a product play. What do they what do they look to hope um, to gain um, from that? What did Intuit have to gain from the purchase of Mailchimp? Right, lots lots of stuff. It's a forward looking vision. The question is is when you gamble and buy a company that's sort of outside your wheelhouse, you have to make sure that you keep the management in place at the, at the, at the purchase organization so that they can integrate with whatever products or however you want to do your, um, do your integration or do your, um, do your purchase um, out three, four years, because it's going to take some time uh, to do that. So there's, there's got to be some sort of methodology behind it. Yeah. Like, just yeah. That, or like you know it. Um, the question is, is can they can they execute on it the right way without sort of fumbling the ball? And and that that his, historically traditionally super challenging, probably more unsuccessful than successful to you know to get what everyone wanted out of an acquisition. What one of the things that had my ears perk up about that particular lateral acquisition was um was the content the potential content play there because I've got, there's a few newsletters, email newsletters that I yes. subscribe to read mm -hmm. regularly. We've seen the rise of Substack at all. Like get another reinvention on, on email as a, as a channel. I thought, yeah, no, if, if I actually started getting stuff that interested me rather than sell, 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 that'd be a different relationship. Even if the org behind it was someone that I maybe bought stuff from. Right. Yeah. It, it it is going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out, especially when they really integrate the two companies. What's the message going to come out as? Yeah. What are yeah. they going to as now? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the fun stuff, though. And let's hope let's hope they're successful, right? Yeah. Let's absolutely hope they're successful because I think success happens right when when you're able to kind of deliver to your shareholders or your stock, you know, or who, or even your customers, that that value is they're going to get better as a result of that. And I, and I hope that their customers succeed. Yeah. That's ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, otherwise it's just a uh, musical chairs game, changing ESPs. And if you're doing the same thing, that's not necessarily, if you keep doing the same thing, just by changing uh, platforms, you're not necessarily going to get different results. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be humble doing it too. You have to be humble. You can't come out and raise, start raising prices 60 days after that. I mean, we know it's coming, right? Because someone has to pay for something, right? Uh, but like make it a positive spin. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things that, one of the things that perpetually I, that I like about the email space, but it also intrigues me is, is that to a great extent, the, the monopolies from other spaces aren't really central players in the email space in, in at least on the email marketing out the door side of things. I mean, Google obvious footprint on the, on the inbox, Apple obvious footprint on the inbox as well, especially in the last six months, but on the, on the, you know, the tool set side, not, not much of a presence. Not at all. And um, what's really interesting is a lot of people look at the tool set side as a checkbox in some cases. We need to try X, we need to try Y, we need to try, but they what they look at, right? And they see these different tool sets or they see the influence of Apple has now on the inbox. How does that affect the tool set that I'm using 
how do I know whether or not I'm getting my return on the investment? It's a, it's a crazy sort of circle, right? That everyone kind of gets through. Um, and, and at that point, I may say, let's take, let's, let's stop for just a second and let's take a step back and say, what are you using that you like most or feel like you're getting the highest ROI? And how does that influence not just your tool set? Not just whether or not you get in the inbox and if it's a confirmed old tender, you know, all this kind of stuff that we were talking about MPP. And what is it, what is it, what is it, and how does it affect the person on the other end, the subscriber in and itself? Mm-hmm. And we tend to lose sight of all of that. Yes. Um, and maybe call me a feel good type of guy, fluffy, you know, like to have all of that. But it really is all about the subscriber, right? I mean, it truly is. And um, we tend to sometimes overlook that and view them as, segment or a number or uh, a you know a, a high value person or a loyalty member and yeah. we need to kind of we need to we need to look beyond it. yeah yeah i i think uh and i'm curious your, your reaction to this i i think one of the one of the things changing email now is the increased privacy related pressures on pr- primarily, I think on other digital channels, e- email is getting uh, drug drug into the fight, but I don't mm-hmm. think is necessarily the poster child for pri- privacy infringement. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Right. And um, I used to run an email 101 course um, uh, and I used to kind of go over what Canspan actually meant and why they put it out. And then you start talking about um, privacy and permissions. Now, my son, who's 20, um, probably has a different opinion about privacy and permissions um, than I would, right? Um, but what's what's interesting? What's interesting in the way I the way I see privacy and permissions going is bring it on, right? I think it's a great thing because it's about time. You know, for those of us who are based in the U.S., um, uh, we really don't know how incredibly constrained, right, GDPR is and how well it protects the consumer. Whereas I gave us, I gave a, uh, I gave a webcast or an in-person thing. And we said, in the U.S., we care about our privacy. That was several years ago. And now all this privacy stuff's coming down, right? I was like, oh yeah, I don't want this. That's creepy. You know, Facebook does this or these guys do that or whatever. And now everyone's starting to realize, wow, it's, it can get, it can get pretty, pretty intense. Um, I hope that marketers today don't look at the privacy laws that are coming out or have come out or the ways that Apple are doing things as a hindrance. I view it as something that I think is extremely positive for an industry, as well as something that we, and we've always adapted, right, um, as marketers. We just need to move on from it. Um, and I I, I, I said, I, I, I did a blog post earlier this year about um, what are the trends for 2022? One of them was, please stop talking about NPP, right? Like we talk about NPP ad nauseum. I've read so much, um, but we need to kind of move on from that, right? I get it, heard it. Uh, we just need to find new ways. And I think that's where we as marketers, I use the term echolalia. We as marketers have echolalia, especially email marketers. Like I'll talk about the same stuff over and over and grind it in the ground even five years ago. Uh, we were talking about stuff and privacy is here and we can't just keep grinding every, every, I love it. I think it's great personally. Well, I think the email space is actually 
you know, abs, absent, uh, absent actors you don't want at the table, right? Yeah. Pretty darn well self-regulated from uh, even from a privacy, you know, respect the subscriber perspective. It's a very strong aspect of the culture in email I've, I've found in the mm. last few years. I think it's great because if you uh, take part in the community, and what I mean by that, there's plenty of outlets to take part. You know that there's a lot of passionate people out there wanting to do the right thing. And again, that one bad apple can, can, can scour. But does anybody stand up at, uh, at a meeting or whatever and say, I'm an email marketer? Right. Because no one, you know, there's not a lot of us that are like, I code emails or I'm a life cycle marketer or whatever. Um, partly because of the sentiment that probably people have, right? Oh, you're that person that sends me four emails a day or sends me five emails a week. And it's the same stuff over and over again. So, but I do find that the communities that I participated in in the last 15 or, you know, almost 18 years now. They're extremely rewarding. There is an education and there are passionate people that want to do the right thing. Um, and, uh, and then there's old dogs like me. Uh, I'm not going to put you in that category. Um, I, as an old dog, I'll put myself in that category. Right? <laughs> no, we're trying to, we're trying to shift with the, with, with the, with the, you know, the newer school workers that are out there. I think it's great personally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's stimulating if nothing else. It's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see some rebalancing as 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 social media, for example, which is just a broad label to hang on a lot of different channels. But as as social media uh, has stabilized, matured somewhat, it's not just uh, flavor of the month. It's not going away, but it also doesn't solve all problems. Seems like there's a a bit more of a mature. What's the right way to do the right thing for the customer, including what channel to do things on or not to do things on uh, mm -hmm. discussion? And e email kind of kept its head down for for a decade or so, like, no, we're still actually bringing in home the bacon. Thank you very much. And <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I guess you guys were bringing home the bacon. Yeah, we're, we were doing that well. Yeah. Everyone was chasing the shiny toys. <laughs> I'm, I actually have a really great analogy. When someone asked me why I, why I like email, why I love email, I said, do you watch, do you watch American football? Everyone's like, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of have an understanding. I said, when was the last time you saw an offensive lineman win the Super Bowl MVP, which is never. Email was the offensive line for the marketing department. Without it, without a strong offensive line, you can't do the sexy stuff. The quarterback can't pass to the wide like, you know, the whole nine yards. And emails sort of like those ugly 375 <laughs> guys that are moving, moving everybody, right? They don't care about a lot of credit, right? You're never going to see them up on the stand or being interviewed as the MVP, but they just silently move along. And without a strong email program, nothing else can, nothing else can do. And everyone's like, okay, now I kind of, I kind of get it. And I said, I don't, I love being the, the sort of sweaty guy that moves the pack, right? It's yeah. good. Um, we, we don't have to get a lot of fanfare. And if you subscribe to that, um, you know, when we start talking about how social plays into all of this, mm -hmm. that's where a good playbook um, happens, right? That's where you need to make sure that everybody's moving in the same direction together, not separately in separate departments that sit across from one another um, or take part in quarterly meetings, but together they have to be coordinated in, in, in what they do. Um, I also have a, uh, an analogy for my European friends, if I had to pull it, <laughs> but that's okay. 
right? Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know your audience uh, too well, <laughs> European or, or American. I was like, and, and I'm nearly sports illiterate, so I'm not qualified to say this, but I've got to guess that that most other countries look at American football and go, I have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, total, total, right? And I, I watch, I watch, I watch European football. I watch rugby. I watch a lot of that sort of thing. And there is, there is some very good similarities um, between it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like very large men in armor. Okay. I, check. I, I, yeah. no, I've got a question for you because I'm really curious about, you know, you've been in this business a long time and you've seen a lot of the transformation sort of happen. Um, is there any particular area that you're seeing that is causing you to kind of either hold your head or kind of go, oh man, this is awesome, right? This sort of fundamental shift. Is there anything in particular you're seeing in the market? Hmm. Turn the tables on me, you stinker. Um, of course I had, you know, I had to, I had to, <laughs> right? Uh, this is very half-baked because okay. I, I'm trying to bake it because uh, I got to get up on stage and talk about it in a month or so here. Yeah. Um, Email continues to play a democratic, small d, democratic <laughs> role that I, that I don't see, I don't see any other digital channel carrying to the same degree. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's actually, I think it's important mm -hmm. uh, that, that there's, there's, there's still this sort of common ground, no one owns it, relatively level playing field that that individuals that companies that governments whatever can consider jump in on and use and it 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 makes me a little bit flip to go Ooh, we take that for granted don't we mm -hmm. we really take that for granted mm -hmm. and we've gotten away with that but the the digital sphere writ large is 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 changing constantly we're we're starting to see mm -hmm. we're starting to see balkanization Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're sitting here having this conversation, uh, you know, late April, 2022, uh, at mm -hmm. this point, Russia's got a separate internet. We thought we had, we thought we just had one for a while there. We haven't had just one for a while, but we are starting to see some, some splintering. So, um, can we keep that, can we keep that common playing field, uh, mm -hmm. of email in, intact? Do, should we, should we be trying to take concrete action to make sure it stays intact? Because if we don't, I, I'd worry that the, the wrong thing here, the wrong thing there, and we wake up and go, oh, man, we can't do what anymore? I thought we could always do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's such a great point because I think that for as long as I've been in this business, I've sort of seen the engine just be put on autopilot. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. Um. It, it, and it works, but we also have to think about to the industry in itself. There are not a lot of people, and I use the word a lot, and I'm basing this off of absolutely no data other than what I see, that stay in our industry. And I use the word ours, email industry, for 20 plus years. Yeah. There's, a, there's, there's probably quite a few people that I know of that have been around for a really long time, but I don't see email as... Email, I think, is a stepping stone 
to sexier stuff in the marketing channels, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so you yeah. kind of cut your teeth on that and then you move on and then there's this whole re-education thing that sort of has to happen. And when I look at the Slack channels, I feel like we're having that same conversation. That's great. And because I think new people, new faces bring new blood into all of this. But I also think that there's a re-education process, right? Like, and, and that in itself, old dogs like me be like, gosh, shouldn't you already know this? Yeah, like, to me, and I, and I try to curb that back, right? Um, and, and, but, I try to, but I try to learn from them how they're operating mm-hmm. around life cycle. Um, or or deliverability or or whatever, mm. um, and I think that's what I'm seeing. The trend is that you know there's this there's this precipice that people get to an email, the pressure to get it done out the door, produce revenue, and it's a lot of stress. And they'd rather just move on to something that's less tactical because they don't have time for the strategic, and then move somewhere else. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and if uh, you know if it's a Career ladder thing is, as you said, and I, I strongly agree, you know, mm-hmm. stepping stone on, on, on and up or whatever you call it in, in marketing is a broader field perhaps, mm-hmm. but, but not necessarily staying focused in email. I, I, I'm curious your reaction to this. It, it struck me the other day as I was grappling with some of this stuff that there's kind of a, a, a guild in a medieval sense. There's kind of a guild quality to the email space, right? Like mm-hmm. young apprentices, old dogs, and it's not like you can pick up the book or go to a college course and say, I want to learn how to do this well. If you're lucky, you get to apprentice somewhere and start mm-hmm. learning the thing and hopefully you stay in it. And I think we've got a problem of of a lot of people churning out early, but it still does have kind of a Kind of a guild quality to me. Any reactions? Well, so first of all, I've given a lot of lectures at colleges and universities from the undergrad to graduate level, right? And I walk into a room and I start talking about email and I can kind of see the proverbial eye rolls. We had this module. Right. I get it, right? It's all about life cycle and they kind of weave it into CRM and they kind of do, you know, sort of, you know, whatever. Um, But when you really get into when you get into the nitty gritties, like I said, moving to the vendor side, learning a lot, there's a lot of intricacies to do it well, yeah. to do it right, and to consistently improve on it. And that's where I think somebody with 5, 10, 15 years of practical experience, yeah. right, walking in the door and explaining how things operate um, it is a distinct is a distinct advantage. I've read just about every email book written, right? And they're all fantastic. But what we have to understand and realize is that some of these people read this stuff and take it to heart. Like it's the only thing I should do as opposed to wanting to um, learn more about what the world is and what their brand stands for. Like the best question I've ever asked anybody in this industry is, um, what does success look like in your email program? Tell me what it's like. Why do you, why should someone sign up? Answer me those questions in the way that you can insert it in your brand versus the standard market. Well, I want to sell you stuff or I want to give you discounts or I want to do that. I want to look, I want to elevate the, t- the, the topic of email marketing to less tactical 
and more strategic about how we can forge the brand in a new way because you have such a large audience and such a good way to do it in, in, in email. And so the when I look at it, like you said, a guild, right? We have to nurture. We have to, uh, we have to feel like the people that have been in this industry a while, it, it's a two-way apprenticeship, right? I need to learn what you're thinking versus what the way I'm thinking. Um, and not to say that either one of us is right or wrong. It's we need to understand the, the goal of the brand. How do you want to do email and what does success look like? And when those things align, then the program incrementally gets, gets better. But it's not a, hey, we're going to have it done in a month, right? Let's move on um, and, and, and go forward. There's always that. There's always something that gets, that gets in the way. Uh, because we live in this fast world that we feel we can turn messaging on its head with the right turn and we're all good. That's just not how it, it's just not how it works. Right. right? Um, uh, and so I think, I, I think I like, I, I love, I love this industry. I love the participation. I love what people do, but I also think that we sometimes, me included, go about it the wrong way. Um, we need to, we need to take a step back before we do anything else and do something that's fun or do something that is the bright, shiny object in order to, in order to, in order to improve our email program short term. Okay, so. Right. You know, There's a, and it, a lot of, lot of, lot of wisdom there. Right. A, a, a company that has the, that makes the investment to build the kind of sound strategically focused email program that you described yeah. would have one heck of an engine for their business. Well, I, I remember this was, this was like 15, 20 years ago. Um, and there were, inter there were reporters interviewing the CEO of APNIC. Um, and they were asking him a bunch of questions and a young, probably reporter, smart ass, asked the question and they said, have you ever called your customer service line? It kind of looked dumb. <laughs> right. And he's like, well, no, I, I haven't. And they said, it's an absolute crank wreck, right? Like it's, it's, you treat me like a bad customer, right? And I have to enter in through all these props. And the, the first thing I tell everybody is when was the last time you signed up for your email program? What was the process? How much information did you have to get? Did you like it? Did you understand it? Do you know what you're going to get? Did you educate them? Like, it's great to say, do you want $20 off your first order? Or do you want to receive emails and then take them to some long, huge preference center, right? But you're asking them to marry you on the first date, right? It's like, there's, there's so much that's involved right at the start. Um, that's the first place I tell brands um, or advise brands, nice. advise them to say, start from the beginning. Yeah. And it starts with your sign process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's, it's like every, everyone working in email, you know, jot this down. First thing you should do is sign your mother up for your email program. Cause that'll keep you, that'll keep you acting considerately. Or, <laughs> or stand behind your mom and no, watch her sign. Watch her do it. Yeah. And see if she gets it. Yeah. Cause I, I'll tell you what I, I call, I, you know, I used to say with the family task, right? Have somebody that's near and dear to you, yeah. right? Sign up. I watch my wife and watch people. I'm one of these 
guys that love when I used to travel, I watched, watch people interact on their phone. And I watched my, I watched my wife one time interact with her email. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm, I'm just deleting everything. Well, why are you deleting? Because I'm sick and tired of reading safe stuff. Right. And so if you watch people interact, yeah. that's the best type of, um, that's the best type of education that you can. Yeah. Right. Focus groups help a lot. Right. Um, if you can't tell somebody why they should sign up for your email program in a cohesive sentence of what they're going to get and educating them around it, you need to rethink what you're doing at the beginning um, to, to get that, to get subscriber. Yeah. And I would extend, I agree. And I would extend that and say, and, and if in a week or a month or something, it's not clear to them why they shouldn't unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. Right. Same, same problem sets. Like, right. Right. My, my, I'm going to give him credit. My colleague, Alex Williams, um, when we started talking about like um, re-engaging people or ring back or whatever we want to call it in this industry, right? He said, I see too many programs that do the same thing to try to win you back. He goes, you can't wake up people the same way you put them to sleep. <laughs> and and I, I did that quote sticks with me in my for the last like years that he said that's that. awesome. It's so true, right? You know, and um, he's his his one of his email addresses is Rip Van Winkle at. I won't give the actual email address, but um, you know it's so it's so true. Just like you you can't expect that you know you you don't they don't know anything about you, right? When they sign up, it it's a it's a philosophical discussion, and I know some people will probably listen to this podcast and roll their eyes and go. This Cordette guy, you know, it's so much different on the client side than it was when this guy was on it. And I'd say, well, time out. Hmm. If you're looking to improve your program and you're looking for ways to improve, it's not about creating hyper micro segmented whatever rights and, you know, creating tons of content for micro segments. It starts at the beginning and you have to, you have to take a step back, um, especially if you are the marketer that's under the pressure um, uh, to, to get the job done. Um, and it's tough. It's a hard thing to do. I get it, folks. I really do. Yeah, it is. It 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 is a hard thing to do. And and the despite its age, the the channel and the tool set of the channel mm -hmm. is pretty freaking hard to work with. No matter what ESPs, vendors, etc., do, it's like God. This is convoluted and and detail oriented. It's so easy to mess up and. Oops! Shouldn't have done that. The deliverability police are going to put you in jail. And all of them. Oh God! What a tightrope! I I'm seeing a lot of that, and um, I follow the deliverability channel a lot, and I watch and I lurk and listen um, to a lot of the different things. I uh, and we've been talking about personalization for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, I know because I did a I did a talk on it on personalization and just how silly it is but that we keep talking about the same thing that we did 18 years ago because that was an email trend like in 2006, right? Or 2004, where we were talking about personalization and we're still talking about it today, um, you know? And, and, and so I, somebody said to me once, it's hard to do email, it's even harder to do. Right, right. And so I think I, I think I actually put a list in one of my Evernote notes. I think I came up with 179 things that email marketers are worried about today. 179 things. So if you are the director of email or email manager, 
or whoever, and you're responsible for that channel, there's a lot of crap you have to think about, right? <laughs> and each one of those little minutiae can get you into trouble. And then, you know, no one praises the email marketer when you're like, great job on that ROI. Oh my God, the images didn't render. Holy crap, we just sent it out to 3 million people. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Email marketer, right? Yeah. You're like, oh crap, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, it's funny. It's funny, but it's not right. Like I hate to be other it's, Yeah, it's funny, but it's not. <laughs> well, uh, it must be invaluable to um, to your colleagues at iPost to to have someone on the team who who is talking from the you know rolled up the sleeves, did it, helped clients do it for mm -hmm. a long time. Like because mm -hmm. because those of us in the software and vendor side can really get get up our our own squirrel tree you know yep. building stuff that the guy using it doesn't care about at all yeah like yep. it doesn't move the dial for him at all yeah totally i mean you could talk about micro segmentation to somebody that all they want to do is how do i get an email out the door that doesn't take five weeks and how do i build it and how do i report on it how do i do it and that's okay yeah. right to the advanced email marketers that want to do multivariate testing across a whole bunch of different things, um, and they want to learn, but you know, they it's it it there there's such a broad range that we deal with. Uh, even when I was at Trendline and now when I post, there's hugely advanced marketers that are doing some really amazing, just out of the out of the off the moon off the charts from a personalization and a segmentation. And it's working for them to the person that all they want to do is do it right, do it sound, and make sure that the person at the other end feels as if they're they're special. And um, that's why that's why I think it's 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 fun. I talk to customers every day. I hear it. I hear so many different things. Like I have to put on this hat, and then I have to put on this hat. <laughs> and, uh, and it's uh, it's 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 fun. You know, it's fun. Nice. Hey, got back to the uh, got back to the slightly personal side for a sec. You you said you said you're now in the empty nest business. Yeah, so I've got a 20 year old college sophomore who's looking for a marketing internship. He actually had me sign up for one of his email programs, but yeah, so I'm an empty nester, wife of 25 years, downsized my house. Um, it it doesn't get any better. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. fellow fellow empty nester. Uh, it's a weird transition. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is. It's like, wow, I, I miss having rock bands, you know, rehearsing in the house. I actually really, really do. That was, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> it does. It's not that fun when it's like one or two o'clock in the morning and they don't have to get up the next day. Yeah. You actually do. Yeah. Uh, or fun. when they're screaming in the basement, playing video games and, and having a good time. And it, it's great. But, um, uh, I look forward to when he comes back from college to hear about a lot of, a lot of different things, but it's truly, they truly, the time by so fast, right? Um, and, and it's just, and I, he remembers the days when I first started my, you know, my, a curfew in my agency, you know, the, 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 the work ethic. And I think it's great when you see a kid like my son have work ethic. But he, he's learned a lot about email. I'll tell you that, right? He's got an appreciation for it. Now, well, maybe because of dad. Maybe, yeah, may, maybe just a bit of an influence there. I, I, I do think, and I'm saying this from my own experience, 
having worked out of a home office for two decades. Mm -hmm. um, I do think one of the sort of funny side effects of pandemic work from home shift and all that other stuff mm -hmm. is we'll get back to some firsthand modeling that was getting lost at the office. You know, my, my sons saw me get my butt down to the office every day. Right. right. And, and like they knew where the office, they also knew that I'd love to have them come down and say hi, but really don't stick around because I'm working. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing to see firsthand yeah. instead of, oh, well, they're gone. She or he or, you know, they're gone. They're off doing something yeah. like that. So yeah. Like, okay, maybe there's some, there's some, there's some good side effects there. Never yeah. liked commuting in the first place, but leaving that one aside, that's easy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember the days when I had an office. And he used to come in and play Minecraft when he was in like third grade, right? Yeah. He'd take down a internet or slow everything down. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and now he knows when dad's on the phone or if he's here back from school and stuff. Um, I think that that generation, right, the people that are in college now or just shortly that graduated or whatever, I think it's going to be really interesting to see and take the test. Are they going to want to go into an office, play hybrid, part-time? My wife just told me about a study overwhelmingly. A lot of the younger generation today want the flexibility to go in, whereas gray hairs like me, right? Um, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, we're fully remote, and I love it. Well, we we had our back to the guild thing. We had our opportunities to apprentice. It doesn't mean that there's not new stuff to learn, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I learned how to work and get along, and you know, carry my piece of the load and all that other yeah. stuff. And I, and I would be concerned to see too big a span of years where there's not firsthand. Why is my phone going nuts? Would you stop going? <laughs> maybe, it's an, maybe it's an email emergency. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I hope, I hope they get that, that, that firsthand opportunity and, and get to work with a, you know, range of people. Cause you never can tell who's going to teach you the most valuable lesson you got to learn. And you may not realize it until years later. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Interesting. You know, I think the same, I extend the analogy to education and then back again, like mm -hmm. my, my last one out, out of college took a gap year height of COVID. Cause he said, this is like, this isn't, this isn't the experience that, mm -hmm. you know, that I want to finish on a great decision. Right. But he was right. Oh, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All the motivation and all socialization that makes a lesson stick or makes you want to work extra hard on a paper or whatever the heck that is. Yeah. Very firsthand. And my son was a freshman in college during the COVID height. Um, and so he didn't go on campus and I kind of felt like he coasted through that year. He did really well, but hardly anybody was on campus. So there was that bit of a gap. And now that he's been on this campus for the, the year that he's been on. Yeah. It's a whole new level, right, for them. And he's getting that college, that experience that of experience. dealing with people as opposed to just a Zoom. Just like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That's uh, no, no, I, I, no substitute for that one. Really isn't. Yeah, they're they're really, and it's a it's a it's a great thing. But it's great when he calls or when he sends me texts. He's like, "Hey, Dad, go here and sign up." <laughs> I sign up, brother. You know, like I saw you never ask. Oh, it's awesome. You never ask. You know, he knows it, right? He knows it. That's awesome. Hey, last question before I start yeah. tying up your day. Are you going to yourself live to any conferences or industry events? 
You know, not right now. Um, actually, I'm speaking. Actually, I'm speaking in November at um, Guru, um, and um, but I'm not going right now. Actively going out um, just yet. Um, part of it is I think that um, I always kind of have this love hate relationship with conferences and events. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, they're fun to see. They're fun to take part in. Um, certainly, iPost will have a presence um, at them. Um, but again, we're niche. We just came back from the, uh, NIGA, which was the national Indian gaming association in, in Anaheim, right? Since we're into, um, the casino areas, we had a presence at the gaming, that the Indian gaming show, which is amazing. Right. And, um, we went to GTV last year. So may, I guess I'm going to change my answer. Yes. Um, but very sparingly, right. Very gotcha. sparing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm, 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 I'm first one. In a couple of years, June for me, and I am looking forward to it in terms of seeing, you know, seeing friends and colleagues. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But that's really the motive. <laughs> I hear you. Because you know what? The best conversations are never at the conference. No, 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 no. At night. Yeah. After the conference. Yeah. Everyone's had a few cocktails and then everyone starts to to banter back and forth. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Some of the best conversations I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. That conference. Yeah, I'm Well, Andrew, I so appreciate you making the time and us getting to, getting a chance to connect and converse a little bit, at least in public. For sure. It's been my pleasure. It's an honor uh, to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I truly appreciate it. And um, we'll keep, we'll definitely keep, uh, keep soldiering on. This is a, uh, this is a great industry. Keep soldiering on. Well, my guest has been Andrew Kordick, Vice President of Customer Engagement at iPost. If you're curious about iPost. Go visit iPost.com. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.